Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hi and welcome to the We Call It Soccer podcast from the Football Grad Network. That's right, we're back and I'm joined as always by Jack. Jack, how's it going? Good, Manu. How, how are you doing? Oh, very busy. As you probably know, I'm over in Europe right now and covering a whole bunch of games uh, in the Bundesliga. And it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks, but you know, there's always time to talk some MLS because it's it's a pretty exciting time right now in MLS, isn't it? Yeah, the final is going to be next Saturday, and these playoffs have been good. Yeah, ex exciting. I mean, um, I guess we're, we've just finished up the Western Conference Finals. Um, I guess an odd one if you're not from North America to understand that, but that's, that's because MLS is essentially split up in a Western and Eastern Conference League, right? And they... They play their own playoffs, and then the two teams, the two winners from those those two leagues, play in a final against each other. That, of course, doesn't mean Jack that these do these teams don't meet each other during the season because they kind of do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so to go over, I guess MLS format: if for current teams, the non-expansion teams, they played a home and away series against the ten teams in their conference. And then one game, it was either home or away against teams in the other conference, and then three rivalry games. But like you said, the two different divisions, even though Toronto FC and Seattle Sounders have both advanced to the final, Toronto ended the season with 20 wins, five losses, nine draws for 69 points, and Seattle had 14 wins, 11 draws, and nine losses, only 53 points. So Toronto had a, a goal difference, 24 goals better than Seattle, and 16 points better, but They both went through their respective conference playoffs and they're going to meet in the final again. Yeah, again is right because that was the final last year. And I guess we'll have to talk about the final, the final venue and all that in, in a few moments time. But maybe let's chat about Seattle and how they got to that final. Because Seattle, and I actually was really excited about this game, Jack, because I, I personally didn't see very much of Houston. I sadly missed out on them when they came to Vancouver. And I was like, excited to see them. Now, Houston, interesting team, very South American flavor. We talked about that on the last part, that they, they, Will Cabrera is their coach there, right, a Colombian. And he plays a very South American style. And um, I think quite a few of the neutrals hoped that maybe they could pull an upset. But it was already quite queer in the first leg that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... 
I think, like like I was saying, Toronto had a better regular season, but Seattle, very convincing fashion lately in the first leg, winning 2-0 in Houston on that um, kind of scratched up or really messed up pitch that was there. They they did not have a problem taking a two-goal lead back home to Seattle. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's quite decisive. Once, I mean, I, I've seen Seattle so many times this year, and um, I, I think... Um, you know they're tactically and technically one of the best teams, and they're also one of the two most um, supported teams in MLS. Of, of course, they were for years. They were the number one supported teams in MLS until Atlanta United showed up to the party. But you know, the moment you go in with a negative result to Seattle, it's almost impossible. The, my Whitecaps, of course, we drew them 0-0 in the um, Western Conference semifinal in the, in the first leg and then went down to them in the second leg quite decisively. But once you chase a result in Seattle at, the, at that arena, that's very loud. I think it's, it's measured as the loudest stadium in North America, if I'm not mistaken. And that's just impossible to come back from. Yeah, CenturyLink, it does have a, a good acoustic design to hold in that noise and the fans are they have great fans they're very loud so it's makes it a really tough place to play if you're not used to the turf i mean you players that are always playing on turf i feel like they have some some tricks up their sleeve or know how to perfectly weight those through balls on the to get them to bounce on the turf but i think i mean seattle just outclassed them and won three nil in that second leg it's a huge difference to last year isn't it when you compare seattle last year in the playoffs they kind of they were kind of sneaking their way into the final. They didn't play a very good regular season last year either. Yeah, they had a horrible start to the regular season. Yeah, they did. And then, of course, they replaced, um, they brought in coach Brian Schmetzer, who was a long, long-term long assistant coach. Well, I actually think, you know, I listened to the press conferences after every game in Vancouver, and you can really sense that he is he's a very clever coach. He's a very tactical, astute coach. And they play a very different football since he's taken over. And, it just they were just such a force, and I mean that the Cascadia region where they play with Portland and Vancouver is a highly contested area, and they finished first in in among those three teams, right? Oh, sorry, actually second to Portland, but still, you know, they 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 managed to get one of those top two spots, and that's that's quite quite something. And um, I feel like I feel like last year when they got into the playoffs. They were kind of like a side note. You didn't expect very much from them, and then they won the whole thing. But this year, when they went into playoffs, it's not a huge surprise that they they actually went through to the final. No, no, not at all. And I think having that some of that playoff experience from last year really helped them out. And having a, a leader like Clint Dempsey, and like you mentioned, Schmetzer, he knows how to get the best out of Dempsey. Yeah. I mean, of course, Clint Dempsey missed last season with a heart issue. I think it was heart fluttering, the un- unregular Yeah, the irregular heartbeat. heartbeat yeah. yeah, which is, of course, a very serious issue. But, I mean, Dempsey, we don't like him very much from Vancouver for obvious reasons. I, I, I think it's always, it's always quite an honor if the opposing fans don't like you very much because he gets the job done. So, you know, in, in this game, too, he scored scored decisive goals didn't he yeah yeah and i mean he i think he really gets that team going and after what after he scored to make it 2-0 i mean the first the first goal let's go over that uh will bruin and dempsey were playing up top together kind of they play the kind of the 4-2-3-1 or 
kind of 4-4-1-1, I think, because Dempsey goes up top a little more. But uh, they opened the scoring against Houston, and Will Bruin and Dempsey were pinched together against just one of the center backs. And I don't know why Houston, they, I don't know if they were what they were man-marking or something, but both of their center backs were kind of split apart, and that created um, really a pocket for Dempsey to, to go forward into. Will Bruin drops back and plays the ball through to Victor Rodriguez, who made it 1-0. And then on the Seattle at a counterattack, Houston pushing everyone forward, obviously down four or three goals on aggregate. And they had a counterattack. Jovan Jones puts the ball in and Dempsey scores. And two minutes later, he's subbed off because they, they needed him for the final. It's an interesting lineup that Seattle play. It's, you know, last year when they brought in Nicolas Lodero, that was sort of their answer to the likes of Toronto signing Sebastian Jovinko, right? Nicolas Lodero is, I feel like he often doesn't get the attention that some of these stars in the Eastern Conference get, especially Sebastian Jovinko, but he was such an impact player for Seattle. And I find it interesting that, because on paper, it's always a 4-2-3-1 that Seattle play, right? But Nicolas Lodero, as a playmaker, he plays almost in that deep-lying um, defensive mid mid uh, field um, yeah, on, but he's on not paper six. but he's you know? not yeah, exactly yeah. so that's that's exactly the thing and that allows to for for Clint Dempsey to almost play as a second forward so sort of push up right and then Lodero can exploit that space right behind him so on paper you always it looks like a 4-2-3-1 with Clint Dempsey playing like a quadratista almost right but in reality, that's not the case. Clint Dempsey pretty much plays as a second striker, and Lodero takes that space in the middle of the park. Yeah, yeah, but it obviously, I mean, it really works for them because he can go forward, occupy the, the other center back, and I don't know what happens to the, the other team's defensive midfield, but sometimes it just disappears, and Lodero has tons of space to do whatever he wants, and it, it shows this year's seven goals, nine assists in, in the regular season. As a, as a very deep-lying player. As yeah. Essentially, you know, a lot deeper than Sebastian Jovinko plays, for example. But yeah, I, I, always, I find him, he's a fascinating player to watch. And it's fascinating how, you know, we know about him, of course, in the Western Conference, but it seems like he's almost a little bit flying under the radar, even in his own team because of Clint Dempsey, but he's by far the most important player in that squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he played, I, mean, I guess, yeah, when you look at the formation, he plays alongside Christian Roldan, the 22-year-old who's very good as well. But sometimes he uh, has the ability to go forward as well. You know, um, neither, I think Lodero is not going to be someone who's a destroyer in that midfield, but it's not really what they need. Mm, yeah. No, I think they they're just so tactically astute that they you know they don't need it. But you you mentioned the word destroyer. Um, there was a little bit of controversy in that second leg, wasn't there? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think we <laughs> were just getting to that, and we saw VAR being used in the playoffs and in a big big moment, I guess. But the tie was already over at that point. It was already four 0 to Seattle. Mm. Yeah, VAR is an interesting one. I was, I mean, you know, you know, in general, I, I'm, I'm actually for it, but it's, it's a huge controversy where I am right now in Germany of VAR because the there's a lot of debate about how it's used, if it's used too much, is it, um, is it influencing the game too much? But I actually think that in MLS, 
and MLS gets criticized a lot, you know, in in North America, but also in Europe. But I actually think they've gotten it right with VAR because it's really only used in extreme situations, isn't it? I mean, I always joke that in Vancouver, I'm not even sure if they have it there because I've never seen it used <laughs> when been the, being in the stadium. And I've been to a few games now in Germany and I've seen it already come out a few times. So <laughs> I think it, it seems like it's always being used in the Bundesliga. Yeah, they are. They're almost like they got the shiny toy and they need to test it all the time. And I think MLS has gotten a really good handle on it. You know, that's actually something that really surprised me. Yeah, so I think they're they're only using it in situations that can uh, drastically change the game. So a head injury or, vi- I guess, violent conduct, they say, and um, deciding a goal. Mm, well, that's what the letter of the law is. Yeah. Maybe the, the DFL uh, control board should give Howard Webber call and... Uh, get the rules explained again <laughs> because I, I just think it's it's really good because it hasn't really done uh, influenced it that much. Now, um, our friend Tyler Dwalman, of course, had a little bit of a different opinion about the whole VR this, this uh, situation, didn't he? Yeah, I was I was watching it back and I decided to write down a couple of their quotes because uh, I guess if you, if you didn't see the situation, Thomas Martinez tried to go win a header over Jordi Delem. Delem didn't jump, so Martinez was up in the air and got a tabletop, I guess some people call it, when you fall over the guy's back onto the ground. And so then Martinez pushes Delem's head into the ground and because they both tripped over each other after. And right afterwards, the referee was right by there, but all the players kind of popped up and had a shoving match. It was a little bit of a melee in front of the referee, and he decided to to go use the VAR. And Adrian Healy and Taylor Twelman, as you said, they were doing the game. Healy said, I, if it's a red, I think we've gone crazy. And Twelman said, I don't think that can be a red. He talks about how he's a big proponent of uh, keeping players safe with head injuries. Twelman suffered many concussions, had to retire as a result, and is very defensive, of, as he should be, of situations where player safety is in jeopardy. But it wasn't really a, a strong push into the head. It was kind of into the, into the back of the neck. And his face was already, it was like an inch off the ground. I don't really know what. I mean, I think it was more for for the intent is why the referee decided to send off Martinez. But it was still a, a really debatable one. And Healy said, it's the one element of video review that still leaves you scratching your head. Yeah, because we had a similar situation with Kaká earlier this season, didn't we? Where yeah, Kaká... yeah, it was Kaká and um, um, what's his name? His, uh, his old teammate that is now at uh, in NYC. Yeah, that's right. And did they, it wasn't... Sorry, e- your credibles, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it wasn't even a big one. It a- was... Aurelian Collin, sorry, Aurelian Collin. That's right. And it wasn't even... It was more like a friendly kind of slap in the face, wasn't it? Like, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a mean, mean gesture at all. And yet, yet video assistant review was brought up and... Uh, decided that Kaká was going to be sent off with a red card. And I think I think that was really the point where MLS realized maybe we have taken a, a step too far. Um, so I don't know if the, the two situations really compare, but and I can see why, you know, some would criticize VAR to being used in, in melees like that. I mean, some just are going to criticize VAR because they don't want it in the game at all for any in any aspect of it. So there's already the crowd that's anti-VAR no matter what. And then you have some just bizarre decisions 
Mm. So it's I think it's fighting an uphill battle, but it's uh, it's getting going. And like you said, I think MLS is using it in a good way. Yeah, I, I think MLS is using it in a good way. And I think there is going to be growing pain. I mean, unlike the European leagues that rolled it in this year, MLS brought it in halfway through the season. So I think that makes it almost a little bit more difficult than starting a season with it. And I think given that MLS actually did a really fantastic job and definitely has done a better job than most European leagues. So yeah, I, th I, I think it's going to stay and I hope it's going to stay because I actually, I actually like the technology. I, 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 one thing that really drives me up the wall is injustice in football. So if we are can fix that, then I'm all for it. But yeah, I guess we'll have to we'll have to kind of you know Seattle kind of steamrolled their way now to the final. Um, yeah, yeah, and then uh, I guess the rest of the game, Will Bruin made it three nil. Uh, Harry Ship came on as a sub and played him in with a really good through ball, and Bruin shipped the keeper. And yeah, I think he was man of the match, goal goal and an assist, and five nil for Seattle to get them through that tie. Very decisive. Not an easy tie either. So. I guess, uh, I guess whether or not Seattle is, a, is is the favorites is something that we need to discuss when we get to the final. But one team that get that got to the final as well, but kind of you know we expected it as two with Toronto. But the playoffs have been a little bit, I don't know, a little bit of a letdown, eh? I mean, I thought it's Toronto... the international break that really kills the momentum. I think. Yeah, maybe. I think that is just such an... We can talk about scheduling maybe when once we get to talk about the final itself too. Because Yeah, you know, we'll point out that later. December 9th in Toronto. Whew, that's going to be cool again. But uh, Toronto, I thought hands down that they're going to just get the job done in these playoffs. No problem at all. And that was definitely not the case. I mean, um, this started a little bit against New York Red Bulls, of course, with the, the, the sending off to Jose Altitor, the second yellow card to Jovinko. And then uh, maybe the best news about the first leg in Columbus, Jack, was that it was 0-0 without Jovinko and Jose Altitor in the lineup. Yeah, I think they were quite happy to, to get out of their scoreless. And yeah, the crew had some chances, but they weren't able to score in front of their home crowd, which could have even propelled them onto a second goal. But yeah, they were ha quite happy to take it back, scoreless to Toronto. Yeah, and sellout sell crowd, of course, in Columbus. Uh, yeah, probably the last game there. Well, I think expansion. If it if they if they are going to move the team, it's not going to happen until the following season, right? So yeah, yeah, I think so because they did. They're not going to. I guess that's true. They're not going to do the realignment just for next year. Yeah, but still, it's an it's an odd feeling and i mean the the saving the crew um there was an odd what what's the best name for it a town hall meeting between the mls and the mayor of columbus and we we the two of us we've been discussing it a little bit on twitter we've been discussing it on whatsapp but you know the, the messages that came out of the two camps really kind of very two conflicting messengers with MLS saying both sides saying we went in with an open mind and then both sides came out with very different responses afterwards didn't they yeah I feel like they both they, I don't know how many open minds went to that meeting I think they both had their uh their own stakes at in the forefront of the discussion and 
yeah, I don't, I don't, I think there was only going to be one decision made. Yeah. I mean, can we blame the city of Columbus really in this? I mean, we've seen it now so many times in, in North America with, with sport teams being moved because of demands being made to city governments, right? About yeah, it's it. like a dictatorial demand. Yeah. They, they have them in a vice and there's not really anything you can do. You can't, we've, we've seen that you can't just use taxpayer money to build a, a private stadium for someone that's just going to sell that to to increase the value of the team. And it's something that happens in in both NASL and in other you know in mls and in um, other american professional sports but yeah i think mm. it I think it's happening with indy 11 as well as it looks like they're going to fold yeah it's it's really too bad i mean of course that meant that this uh the sellout crowd and it, it really blew out the momentum of uh save the crew i mean i noticed that during this after the international break all of a sudden there was like um that the meeting took place and we all thought that it would be a huge kind of like news story during the during the uh, conference finals, but it really wasn't, you know. And uh, no, not at all. It's like people just forget in the crazy news cycle that 2017 and the this world has become. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, almost a forgotten story. Yeah, I, I really wonder. Yeah, of course now Columbus are out of this out of the season. It's probably the best thing for uh, anyone in MLS you know at the selling and the selling side was involved with mls um that's a that's really good news for them because of course could you imagine them playing in the final in seattle i think it would have definitely hit the the news once again but now of course mls news completely switched to the final and i guess that's kind of takes takes away the the final score because toronto did get the job done at home one nil although that was a dangerous score because you know at one nil if you concede that one goal you go out um, and that... Yeah, and uh, the, I mean Zach, Zach Steffen stepped up and saved a penalty. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was four out of six penalties saved for him in the playoffs, and yeah. that's really fantastic. But yeah, they weren't able to get it done in the attacking end. They had a lot of chances at the end and a couple of near near misses that were kind of heartbreaking. I can't imagine being a Columbus Crew fan. Yeah, but you know, Zach Steven, Zach Steven, you put down uh, maybe possible future national team keeper. He's just twenty-two. Uh, I I would say yes, maybe right, because the U.S. national team has now four years to rebuild. And yeah, at least I mean he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean Tim Howard. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's thirty-seven, and you know, it, keepers can play a long time, but maybe it's time to move on and. I can't see too many other U.S. keepers in the conversation. Um, He's now 38. I mean, Guzan's going to be in there, especially yeah. being now based in the U.S. That's going to help for a lot of summer tournaments. But I think it's just time to try new things. No, I think you know. I, I think you can have Guzan there, but you need to have two other guys that haven't been around. You can have two of your three goalkeepers that are very experienced and not developing the next one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, can you can we think of too many other keepers in MLS right now? You know that uh, in that age bracket. Well, Bill Bill Hamid is now mm. leaving MLS, but he's going to Midtjylland and Denmark, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's a good that's a good move for him. But I feel like that right now, what the US is lacking a little bit. Tim Howard, of course, he was a top keeper, um, one of the best keepers in the world, even for some time when he played over in England. And that's that kind of bracket is missing, you know, the that top level of goalkeepers. 
um, in for the U.S. national team is missing. I mean, um, no disrespect, but Rimaldo, for example, playing um, a keeper that is very much adored, but uh, I have I have issues with his size. <laughs> He's very small and his fitness as well. So. I think or Nick, Rom- Nick Romando. Yeah, Nick Romando. And now he's th- he's 38 as well, just as old oh, as Tim Howard. There you go. That that that's, that plays into the conversation. <laughs> I actually I actually stood next to him, and uh, when I was when they came to Vancouver, and uh, I'm six foot five myself, and I've I've he, I was a giant next to him, and I'm I'm a normal height for a goalkeeper, right? So I, I don't know. I just maybe for a German goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tim Howard is a is a big guy too. I still, I met Tim Howard as well when they came uh, with Real Salt Lake and I uh, sorry with the Colorado Rapids and uh, uh, he's a really big guy as well. I I think I I I'm a personal believer that a keeper needs to bring a certain height with him in order to be successful. But maybe doesn't just I'm just old school that way. But um, yeah, I'm interested. Sucks. Stephen looks like you know one for the future, and uh, he definitely got his got his teeth into this Toronto side. That really brings us to Toronto, though. Toronto, the best side in MLS regular season. The, um, the team that dominated this league like no one has done since the LA Galaxy um, a few years ago. Not convincing at all during this playoffs. Um, no, no. And like that, you said. Yeah, and it's 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 a tough one for me. You know, I I I'm a big fan of the, the National Hockey League, and there you always say, you know, you have to bring in momentum and when you go into the playoffs. And I wonder if the for Toronto, if they maybe wrapped up the season almost too early for them. You know, that they they were almost too good for their own good um, in the regular season, and that brought in that complacency almost you know though do not have to worry about winning games to get into the into the playoffs and that is a huge factor isn't it yeah yeah you need to be peaking at the right time and like you said and in the western conference if you wanted to even get into the playoffs you had to be playing really well late in the year and not that toronto necessarily weren't but they kind of knew they were going to be one of those top two seats for quite a while yeah and that's it's an interesting discussion too and we'll i guess we'll find out for the final but i sense almost that the west is maybe more competitive top to bottom you know i think in the east the the top teams are better but top to bottom i guess the west is maybe more competitive yeah yeah i think you i mean really outside of minnesota the rapids and the galaxy everyone else was really in the mix for the playoffs yeah, and then the East it was wrapped up quite early. Now, um, what what can we expect from this Toronto side then? Do you think that? I mean, I I watched that final last year, and everyone last year in the final against Seattle thought, you know, this game they will have to win it. And when you look at the stats, going back on the stats, they absolutely dominated this game. It's it was it was a similar experience that I had with Bayern against Chelsea a few years ago when Bayern played them at the Allianz Arena and completely outplayed them but couldn't score. Is this Toronto side more mature? Um, is this Toronto side coached by Greg Vanny? Do they have the maturity to get the job done and win that MLS Cup? That they so I think much they're... want to. I think their best hope is that they're hosting the final again, even though they had the, the bad taste in their mouth last year, uh, losing the final home to Seattle, who didn't have a shot on target for 120 minutes. Mm. But 
uh, if if it was in Seattle, I think the Sounders would be a lock to win, just because of the momentum and the way they've been playing lately. But I don't know. You you kind of throw everything out of the window when it's going to be December in Toronto. You don't, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, that. But yeah, like like you said, with with the maturity, I guess having having been there again, I don't know. They were that's. They they probably have a a problem with how the league is run because they won the supporter shield. They're the best team over the regular season, and they they wish they already won the title. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. You know, and that's but that's the reality of the league is that you have to play the the playoffs. And I, I wonder too, with we're talking about maturity, and maybe they're more more ready to play the final but you have to remember Seattle played that very same final last year too and got the job done and this year Clint Dempsey is in the lineup and I think that's a huge factor because Lynn Lynn Dempsey will feel that he missed out on the MLS Cup final last year right with his with his heart problem so it's not like it's not like they're going to be satisfied with having won the league because their biggest player their biggest name in the squad their leader has was not part of that cup winning side so he will throw everything into this final because for him it's basically going to be a maiden triumph if he if seattle win it yeah yeah exactly so that's and i'm really curious to see that i mean and this is one of the issues i had in these playoffs was of course toronto's leaders are jose altidor and sebastian jovenko right and michael bradley and michael bradley (laughs) yes of course after Sorry for the afterthought there, but you know um, the Heat of course doesn't score as many goals, so you don't notice him as much. But Michael Bradley, of course, you get all that maturity and the level-headedness with him, and he's he's a gentleman on and off the field. But uh, the other two, um, we have seen some nasty sides from them during this playoffs. I mean, Jose Altidore's altercation with Sasha Kleschen that could have poss- possibly cost Toronto the spot in the final. Um, Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Jovinko throwing a hissy fit in the dying moments of the of the um, semifinal as well, the conference semifinal. Those are things that don't say don't say maturity. Yeah, and Toronto, I, I don't know. To me, it seemed like more of a collection of stars. Just put these three stars together and mm-hmm. see what they can do and in the regular season it was working wonders obviously but in the playoffs they've just scored one goal in their last three games while seattle have scored at least two goals in each of their last three games like toronto one goal total in the in the 270 minutes yeah of course someone like rick vanny who's of course our next talking point the head coach (laughs) a lot of people was said last year that it was his tactical decisions that led to failure. And uh, it was a surprise by many that he was allowed to, to carry on. Is he holding back the side? Do Toronto need, you know, with all this money that 
uh, Maple Leaf Sports has thrown at this franchise, at this club. You know, Maple Leaf Sport is, is the biggest uh, sport company in Canada. You know, they are huge. They own the Maple Leafs, for example. They own the Raptors. It's, it's, a, it's a big holding. And they, they invested a lot of money into Toronto. Is that maybe the area where they cheaped out a little bit? Should they have done what Atlanta did and not only bring in really interesting fantastic players but also maybe splash cash on a coach yeah i think so and that's a way that you can get more more for less because you know paying the coach doesn't did we talk about this last time paying the coach doesn't raise the mm -hmm. salary cap you know doesn't, yeah but um yeah maybe i think if if he wins the final we'll have to take this back but if if greg venny doesn't get it done then i think they're gonna have to have to look at other options well, because that's really the only thing that they can change because they yeah. have they have i mean with the salary cap reality you can't really make too many adjustments and i think you know they brought in someone like vasquez to support the, the big three and um there isn't that much else playing room to really help the side and in, in terms of depth i mean I I always say like bring in an bring in an uh, experienced coach someone like Tata Martino and you'll you'll see wonders I mean it's because they tactically you can do so much better and someone like Brian Schmetzer I think he is he's one of the big difference makers um, for the Seattle Sounders he certainly won them the MLS Cup last year because that side that went to the final was a lot weaker than the side that's going to the final this year and uh, he still got the job done yeah yeah and i think that just that just says it all so uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one now we have as a talking point of course mls expansion but i feel like we need to wrap up our kind of like final um what are we expecting from this final yeah well let's go to the final and then come it, back to that yeah i think so i think so because i just checked the weather report jack for toronto on saturday <laughs> It's not too bad. I, I've been to colder games last week, but it's still not nice. It's uh, a minus four and snowfall for um, the basically the show event of this league. And um, do we need to play a final on December 9th? I mean, yes, a, there is a snowball. <laughs> a snowball. I guess it happens in NFL, right? Was it last year that they played in New York or the year before where they expected snow? Um, yeah, yeah, there there will be some some games uh, played in the snow in American football, but I, of course the playing surface is not where the ball always rolls. You know, I don't mm. I don't know if if it's necessary to have the season go this long. Well, or maybe, and this is another discussion point: Does MLS need to switch to a European calendar? You know, take a winter break because a lot of a lot of stadiums at this time of the year i mean this year it was toronto but i mean could you imagine real salt lake making the final and and uh december 9th then you're really talking about a lot of snow or somewhere, yeah, like, somewhere yeah. like montreal i guess in montreal they could play indoors um same with vancouver vancouver actually doesn't even ever get that cold so you know you have a few few grounds like colorado real salt lake toronto um where you worry a little bit about it but is it really necessary? I mean, this is your showcase event. Do you want to play that game, the biggest game of the season that you have in December, on December 9th? Yeah, I don't know, especially, and especially when so many games are decided in the heat of the summer. You know, it's two very opposite seasons. 
yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting debate. But now, of course, the question is who is going to be favored in this, this game? I mean, we've seen this game last year and um, we expected that Seattle would be you know, playing in the Cascadia, not really used to this kind of cold of weather. Um, because, you know, Seattle, like Vancouver, it never gets cold. There. Snow is considered a natural disaster in that part of the world. And um, they, they're not going to be as used to it, maybe. But, um, but they know it from last year. Do you think it's going to be an advantage for Toronto at all, playing in this kind of weather? Yeah, just because it's, it is their own pitch. But I don't buy that the, the players are more used to it or something. Because the players aren't all from Toronto, and Seattle's players aren't all from Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, if it, if they were playing, a, if it was like a, one of those old international copas or something, if if they were playing a team from Brazil, then yeah, I think it would be a big advantage. But you know, it's not like that. Yeah, you think globalization has pretty much killed the home and away factor, anyways. And yeah, a little bit. A little but looking bit. looking at the odds, it looks like Toronto are favorites at four to nine to win Seattle about seven to four so almost two to one to win but i think that's just based on it being in toronto i don't know how much you know that they buy into that because seattle's hot right now really hot yeah i don't buy those odds either it's a it's i mean i don't condone necessarily betting but it wouldn't be a bad bet to bet on seattle in this game i think you know even though the game is in toronto even though you know the the weather will maybe favor Toronto slightly, although I don't think it will, but the form, the the, the playoff form is it's something that really worries me about Toronto, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they, they 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 couldn't get the job done last year, and that's that's something that I still struggle with today. I, and I th guess last year, if you play that game ten times, nine out of ten Toronto win that game, right? But still, they, they couldn't get the job done last year. And this Seattle side, I actually rate that Seattle, the si Seattle side that goes to the final this year, higher than last year's side. So it's it's not like it's an exact replay. It's basically you, they're getting a replay against a team that has improved. And um, Toronto had a very good regular season, better than last year too. But is Toronto that much more improved? I don't know. I don't think so. So I think that it's not actually a bad bet to say... If you really want to want to risk it and bet on this, it's betting on Seattle is not a bad bet. No, no, not a bad bet at all. It's, I mean, just based on on what the odds are. But um, yeah, like you said, I don't know if there's a team that's improved. It's Toronto is definitely not the more improved team from last year's fixture. And if you look at the season stats for all the games, both sides have conceded 39 goals. So mm. uh, I don't think it's going to be a tight game, and. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be a final. Any, I think you there is there should not be a favorite. Both teams should probably have the same odds to win. So should we bet on this? Should we give our guesses, expectations, etc.? What do you think? Jack? Yeah, I, What's going I, I don't happen? know. I could really see it going to extra time at one-one. I think there there will be more goals than last year. That's what I'll. That's I'll easy. Say. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I think that Seattle's going to approach this game very differently. I think that Seattle are not going to park the bus simply because the Clint Dempsey is back in the side, so they don't have to. I think there's going to be goals, and maybe Seattle playing a more attacking style of football is actually going to make this a little easier for Toronto. So I think Toronto is going to 
get it in extra time. And I'm actually going to throw in a bet. I'm going to say 2-1 to Toronto in extra time. All right, I'll, I guess I'll have to pick Seattle to win in extra time. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're if you're looking at the the recent history, Toronto won uh, in Seattle one nil, but that was all the way back on May six. So I think we can throw that mm. out. And in in Toronto in the regular season, uh, Toronto FC have won once. Seattle have won there three times, and there's been one draw. And then also in the regular season overall, just head-to-head Toronto's won three times, Seattle's won seven times, and there have been two draws. So some just kind of have TFC's number in this series. But I don't know. I, the revenge is definitely a big factor, though, mm. for Toronto. And, and I don't know, maybe more for their fans than for the players. Yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll, be, a, it'll be a fun game. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I... I hope for Toronto that they get the job done. I think the the main reason why I hope that is because Maple Leaf Sports has put a lot of money into it, and um, there was already talk about last year that if the if there's not a trophy coming out of that, that they may be looking into reducing the the money spent onto the franchise, which of course wouldn't be the best thing in the world for football in Canada. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely not. So, yeah, I hope that. And also, it'd be kind of nice to see a Canadian team win it, even if it has to be Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. That, um, if you're just looking at, at recent history, Seattle's not that old of a team. and it's They've, they've always been well-supported and really a strong team, but it seemed like even last year they had finally won it, you know what I mean? Mm. And so Toronto, it might be their time. Yeah, I think so too. Well, that is, that is, I guess, our discussion on the final. It's going to be a cold one, December 9th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be a late night for me. Perfect, perfect time for you, I guess, Jack. <laughs> yeah, the local time, 4 p.m. Um, but yeah, and in, in the U.S., you can watch on ESPN or Unimas, and in Canada, it's on TSN and TVAS. Yes, and if you're watching this from Europe, it will be on Eurosport. So, you know, you have plenty of options to catch this game. But um, the other big topic, and I guess... I th- oh, sorry, I, I guess one more point. I think they kind of want... Last year, I remember the final being later, later at night. I, that must be weather-related. It, maybe it's maybe it was at seven or something last year because I was I was in Houston for the College Cup final and I, I remember we were, we were at a uh, uh, Houston Rockets game and we only got out and saw the shootout so it, it must have been a, a later game. No, no, but... no. Actually, it was four p.m. last year too because I watched it. It started at seven p.m. Pacific time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so same kickoff time. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I was thinking maybe they moved it to that time to have more the chance for more international viewers to watch. Also, keep in mind, 4 p.m. kickoff in the U.S. doesn't mean kickoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a big thing as well. Right, you have right. your national anthems, you have your shows, you have all that kind of stuff that takes place. So, um, yeah, the 4 p.m. announcement might, does not necessarily mean the game actually starts at 4 p.m. Yeah, maybe closer to 4.15. Yeah. At least. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's it for the the discussion on the final. But we have a little more to talk about, and that's regarding new teams that could be in the MLS or in MLS next year, in the coming years. The coming Obviously, years. next next year we'll have LAFC. We're a team that I'm really excited about. 
um, because I'm going to yeah, see Bob them. Bradley. Yeah, I'm going to see them quite a bit in Vancouver too, right? Because they're a Western Conference team. And I, I'm really curious to see who they're going to sign. If, I mean, they already brought in Carlos Vila, and I'm, I hope that we can get Carlos Vila uh, either on audio for this podcast for, for the Football Grad Network, of course, or um, even an interview with him for, as an article. So fingers crossed, because I think that'd be a really good story to get him. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to have them in the West and uh, see them at least once in Vancouver. Um, I think they're kind of, they're going to be one of those it's interesting what they have been doing in terms of an expansion franchise, and I could see them do similar things to what Atlanta did this year. So I'm really, really excited um, about them joining the league and, or I guess rejoining the league because they were the Chivas, right? And then they rebranded and gave them a couple of years to, to get their, their stuff sorted out. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about them coming in. But I guess as of 2019, um, there will be two more teams, right? And those two more teams will be, um, we now know the, the finalists, it will be either Cincinnati, Detroit, Nashville, or Sacramento. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. There were 12 cities that submitted bids, and they've narrowed it down to four, which they're going to decide in, in December, I believe. That's, in, that's exciting. I mean, uh, Cincinnati, I guess we can go kind of through the list of teams that are still in it. Two of them... Um, two of those teams have a little bit of a St. Pauli feel to them. And I mean that in terms of alternative fans and uh, rowdy fans and loud fan groups. Uh, and that's Cincinnati and Detroit. Two very interesting expansion um, choices, I would say. Yeah, and I think two that, that really could help out the league and get into new markets you know the the crew are in columbus but cincinnati is also a big city and they've shown in usl that they can attract twenty two thousand fans a game yeah and that's impressive because you well it's the third league or the second yeah. league whoever you listen to yeah and i mean it's um when you look at the 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 kind of people that attend to it's a very alternative kind of crowd right and I guess the only question is, and I saw this, saw this with Detroit a little bit, that a lot of Detroit fans or the, the, the people that go to the football in Detroit, um, I think in, in the case of Detroit, it's even lower down. It's USPL or something like that. And they have they managed to get quite a lot of people to their games. And there has been some criticize, criticism on MLS, right? Because a lot of the the fans are wondering if they can still have that same fan experience in MLS but at the same time if if they manage to get that team in and preserve some of the the fan culture that has grown in Detroit and Detroit is developing you know Detroit has been this, the sick man of the United States for so long now because of the dying car industry um, but it's really re re reinventing itself right now as a city and it'd be really interesting to have a team like that um, come to MLS and I think because it is reinventing itself as a city there's a huge market there for soccer um, and it'd be a, a fascinating choice for an MLS expansion franchise. Yeah, it's something new and, and something not seen necessarily in the United States. You know, soccer, I think, is a new, technically a new sport here and it's growing. And to me, that seems like a perfect city where you could uh, kind of revitalize the city with a new sport. You know, they have the Pistons and they have the Red Wings and mm. the Lions and, you know, uh, and the Tigers, but uh, a soccer team would be something different for, and not necessarily just the current fans, but there would be a new fan base just based on having a team in MLS. 
And Detroit, of course, is um, is an interesting choice too because I noticed with the Detroit Red Wings, the Red Wings in a lot of ways are a Southern Ontarian hockey team because this it's just a just across the border from Ontario, right? So a lot of Canadians go down there to watch the hockey. And I could see a lot of Southern Ontarians um, that are closer to Detroit than Toronto to go and support that team as well. So it's a, it's a really interesting interesting one for me, I think, um, just because it's so close to Canada. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Detroit would, would do wonders in terms of revitalizing the, the Southern Ontario kind of soccer market as well. Yeah. So yeah, um, and I, I mean, I guess that's that could um, it could be an, an interesting option for them because there's not really a whole lot of teams in that area, like you said. Mm, yeah, it's it's a it's a white spot pretty much. Another kind of white spot is Nashville, and I remember um, when I first saw Nashville on this list, I believe they were a little bit of a late entry as well to this expansion scramble and i um kind of underestimated nashville's intents i didn't think that they would have a chance but they're on the final list and john ingram um and the wolf family two very rich you know really rich ownership groups there and uh, could it could it really happen could nashville get a team i know that the nashville predators in NHL, um, everyone kind of laughed when NHL went there and um, expanded into Nashville, but it's been actually quite a success with that team. Could they pull something off? Could they pull something similar off with MLS? Yeah, I, f- I feel like they could because I think that's a city where you have you have the potential and the potential to grow. And there's already, I mean, the U.S. plays a lot of games in Nashville. There's already that kind of uh, fan base, I feel like. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even know that. But it, yeah, and when you look at John Ingram, uh, quite a big personality, right? And yeah, and, and with all of these groups, the money is definitely there. That's never a question, I guess. And obviously, that's why they got to the stage. But mm. uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely that's what I was told when I sort of dismissed Nashville. It's like you don't know what the Ingrams can pull off. So yeah, I I guess. I guess we'll see. Um, I, I am from now. I have a funny feeling about Nashville. I could see them pull that off. And then you need, the two of us, we talked about regional rivalries a little bit and how MLS wants to develop that a little. And Nashville would be a natural rival for Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's. I mean, in terms of American geography, it's just down the road. <laughs> in terms of <America>. yeah. <laughs> It's not quite uh, Munich to Nuremberg, you know, a 45-minute drive. It's a little longer than that, but yeah, yeah. I guess in terms of American geography, um, you're quite right. So I, I, I guess I have a funny feeling. I, I just, I just think it could, it could actually be Nashville. We'll, we'll find out in December. I guess right around the time of the MLS final. Now the final team on the on the list is Sacramento, and I actually personally thought that was. A shoe in the Sacramento Republic. I actually thought that would be an automatic in into MLS because they did very well in the lower divisions, right? And they always attract twenty thousand, um, twenty thousand fans to all their games. And um, the yeah, own, really good, really good fan support. Yeah, really good fan support. But the only thing is, then they had some ownership trouble right after the announcement that um, there was a split between the Re- Repub- the actual Republic, a couple of the owners, and um, they had to. MLS had to kind of 
have a meeting with them and get them back on board altogether and uh, tell them they can only be one bit rather than two and it can only be the republic because otherwise the fans will not support it so i wonder if that has done some damage but i mean again regional rivals uh, the san jose earthquakes are already there the lafc are already there uh, the la galaxy of course california is a great place for soccer just because the weather is always nice so i, I guess sacramento would it be too much to say that they are the favorite to get one of those spots yeah, I don't know. That uh, it's really hard because obviously the both all four of those um, cities were preferred to the the other eight that did not make it to this final round. But um, yeah, I think Sacramento seems like a perfect location. Yeah, well, I personally, I think that's. I thought that was Sacramento was a done deal, but the MLS works in mysterious ways and. Uh, we've seen that with the whole save the crew situation <laughs> and what yeah. what they have now proposing that the that the team after they get moved to Austin that Columbus could reapply and get an MLS expansion team and rejoin the league. Uh, I guess the San Jose Earthquakes kind of went down that road. Could we see this happening again? Yeah, I don't know. I think the certainly the fans in Columbus have shown that they deserve a team and not that they had to prove it to anyone because, you know, you shouldn't have to when you already have a team. No one should be able to pick up your team and move it. But um, I think they really came out strong and show that if if the crew does leave, maybe the crew will, will come back to Columbus. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I guess everything, Think San Jose Earthquakes moved to Houston, right? That's how Houston Dynamo uh, yeah. came to be, and then uh, they successfully San Jose successfully applied for an expansion franchise, named them the Earthquakes, and brought that team back. And of course, the Earthquakes are run by the um, now you have to help me out the Oakland Athletics baseball director. Um, they made a film out of him. Oh, no, Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Thank you very much. Yeah. Billy Bean with his soconomics. Um, a little bit of a, a football test case again, I guess. Um, an interesting team, definitely, um, to watch and follow. They do things a little bit different with the San Jose Earthquakes. But, I mean, it is in terms of finances. It's a very stable franchise now. And maybe with um, an ownership group that is committed to Columbus, we could see columbus crew come back although i mean they already have a stadium they already have a stadium <laughs> they actually already have a team you know that is fully supported i think it would be actually easier to just tell austin to apply for an expansion franchise but maybe i just see things a little different than the mls i don't know we've we've seen austin kind of flare out the aztecs who weren't successful then mm -hmm. i don't know it's hard to judge because there's different ownership groups and they could do it in a different way but i don't know yeah, I I don't know. That's, that's the thing. I guess Austin's must have offered something that Columbus didn't, and that must be a stadium downtown with a bunch of sweetened deals, etc. I guess Austin is also a very rich, young community, right, in Texas, this university. Yeah, there yeah too. like the, the Silicon Valley of Texas, uh, people call it, I think. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. Austin Athletics it will be, I guess, if the team moves there. Uh, but at least they got a name for him. Not sure <laughs> of, of what I think about that name, but when it actually happens, I think that if they go back down that route, they should bring at least bring back the Aztecs 
bright yellow shirts um do it just do it if you already have to do it just do it that way but i guess um that brings us to the final point miami miami uh, a lot of people were really worried that miami wasn't on the list not realizing that miami is technically not subject to an expansion bid. that's because david beckham got that deal he got an option to yeah, because that deal was done a while ago. That, that deal was done when he joined MLS. I mean, yeah. I feel like Miami <laughs> was supposed to be started playing about four or five years ago. And um, it just hasn't happened. But, Jack, you are in Miami. And you can tell us Beckham has found a place to put a stadium. Yeah, they, they got the land um, earlier this year. And then the, the county approved uh, another land deal for Beckham to, to get some more land in that, that ownership group. But um, it wasn't in this round of expansion. It, it wasn't um, not up for a bit, I think. And it looks like Miami will be added before or maybe at the same time as these the two winners of this these four finalists, Sacramento, Nashville, Cincinnati, and Detroit. But, yeah, a well, big holdup was the, the downtown stadium. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they have a site in, in Overton, which is going to cause a lot of gentrification here and i don't know if people are really in for in favor of it but some of the lawmakers were in favor of it so uh yeah but i don't don't know it's we've seen miami has not been the best sports city Mm. with the marlins building a new stadium that they don't even sell seats in the upper deck for because they can charge more for the lower tickets and they get fifteen thousand fans a game and then we've seen Miami FC be very successful in NASL, but MLS reluctant to deal with them mm. because they they don't want to deal with Ricardo Silva and his pro rel, even though he offered a very very lucrative TV deal to MLS. But they already have the they're already in bed with Beckham, so they they can't go back on that, and they're not going to put two teams in Miami. So I don't know. There's a lot of uh, a lot of things still going on there. I, I personally think that Beckham needs to sit down with the Miami FC crew and just sort it out. But of course, now that Silver made that 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 TV offer that included promotion and relegation, and I guess this is, will be a topic for us during the winter break, promotion and relegation and what we think about it. Because if we start that now, we'll be sitting here for a couple more hours. But um, I think they need to sort that out because I think that would be just a smart thing to do. Now, um, it does look like Beckham will go ahead. Uh, name, we saw today Miami Vice. That seems to be the thing that's going to happen. I saw even a logo online. Um, thoughts on that? Maybe final thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. They, I, <laughs> I guess if they bought the copyright for that, they can use it. But the, they're not going to be Miami FC, you know. I think there's there's been a lot of soccer teams here that the that would not give a Miami Beckham MLS franchise their name that easily. So they, they might have to go through a route like that. Yeah, the other, of course, I saw was Miami Beckham United. So at least they, they avoided that one. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Vice is a lot better. But I guess we'll we'll have soon play t- games that involve device. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to writing those previews. And I guess if that happens, you'll be... You'll be getting your season accreditation there, and you can go to your regular Miami Vice games, eh? <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. That would be definitely hilarious. Huh? Well, Jack, that pretty much wraps up our show. We got through a lot of things, and um, really looking forward to that final on, on Saturday. 
But yeah, it should be a good one, and uh, then there, there'll be a lot of off-season talk to to go over. So we will be obviously continuing this podcast through the off-season. Yeah, and definitely. I'm excited about that because there's a lot of transfers that obviously happen, and there's a lot of weird rules in MLS that I'm looking forward to learning more about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get MLS, we'll contact MLS and uh, ask them if they can send us a rule book. You yeah, know, in in English. In English, <laughs> and under I mean, they're all they're all posted in English, but that's basic that's English. <laughs> basic English. But Jack, where can people find you? Uh yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Jack Grimsey or on Facebook.com/slash Jack Grimsey, and doing a little more stuff for Football Grad now. Finally, wrote a preview, so maybe you'll be seeing me pop up there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, of course, you mentioned it. Um, you, you can find most of my work um, on Football Grad or on the Football Grad Network. We are on Twitter at Football Grad Live, and you can follow me uh, at Manuel Veff. And yeah, guys, if you enjoy this podcast or the other podcasts that we do, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating. It uh, really helps us grow and um, really spreads the word. But that's it for right now. Enjoy the final, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yep, thanks for listening. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.